Way back in 2005, two brothers set off on a road trip that would save the world and change television. Ernie and Bert? No. For 15 seasons and 327 episodes, Supernatural took audiences on a wild ride of family, fate, and faith with a rocking soundtrack and a seriously cool car. But that was then, Bobbo, and this is now. And yes, the show has quote-unquote ended, but we're not quite done with the journey. No, we're not. And that's why we're watching it all over again, or for Rob and me, for the first time, diving deep into every episode of Supernatural with the fine folks who made it. And we're taking you along for the ride. Whether you like it or not. I'm Rob Benedict. I played Chuck Shirley, a.k.a. God. Uh, spoiler! Yeah, it is a bit of a spoiler, but hey, spoilers are fair game here. I'm fine. And I'm Richard Spate Jr., and I played the trickster, also known as the Archangel Gabriel. And I did a little bit of Loki work in there. Okay, you know we're running out of time. Okay, well, we'll be talking about the entire series, so whatever we say, accept it. You've been warned. So buckle up and settle in. Because this, my friend, is Supernatural, then and now. Hey, everybody, I'm Rob Benedict. I'm Richard Spate, and we're back. We are back with episode number two, which you actually call episode number one. Right, because we started this podcast by talking about the pilot, which they don't ever actually number. Right. It's called the pilot. That's right. And so this is, even though the second episode of season one, it's called episode 101. That's right. And we continue our talk with Jensen Ackles and Jared Padalecki. And we dive a little bit deeper into what was going on behind the scenes during this point of shooting. Well, we learned a little bit about, uh, certainly we talked about Kim Manners, who mm-hmm. was a well-respected director, producing director of the show, and yeah. didn't survive the run of the show. He passed away somewhere in there. Phenomenal director, apparently also a stern taskmaster. That's that right. As, as was Bob Singer. And oh, we'll yeah. talk about that as well. And, uh, and the boys just kind of walk us through a little bit like creating the family, the Winchester family. And that's sort of an on and off screen conversation, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like what it was like to sort of be bonding with each other that's right. and, and figure out how to make this thing sing. Mm-hmm. And then the crew, because now they've got the crew that really becomes the backbone of the show for, in large part, 15 seasons because a very high retention rate in the right. Supernatural crew. And this episode was directed by David Nutter. We talk a little bit more about him and how he's the pilot king. Yeah. So if you fly planes, David Nutter's your guy. He's the pilot king. Um, so we're in, we're in the second episode, and we're getting into the Monster of the Week. It's, a, it's season one. It's all about the Monster of the Week. In this episode, in the dangerous backwoods of Colorado, a monster lurks, hungry for human prey. Will Sam and Dean be able to protect another fractured family Ugh. from this menace? Following the coordinates that John left them in Jericho, which, by the way... When those coordinates show up, I have no idea what they are. Nobody. There's cartographers in the audience who picked up that those were coordinates. Right. Kudos to you. And a quick shout out to all the cartographers listening. (laughs) (laughs) After we get the coordinates from John, because he picked them up in the journal, Sam and Dean uh, find themselves in Blackwater Ridge, Colorado, where a young man named Tommy has gone missing. Boys join his sister Haley, her brother Ben, and a guide Roy to search for Tommy in the woods. It's soon clear to the Winchesters that they're dealing with a Wendigo. Oh, man, I've been around one of those with the family in the summer. Plenty of room to <laughs> camp. and Yeah, that's right. Or it's a predatory monster that feeds on people to Oh, survive. that's Winnebago. Sorry, Winnebago. That's a different thing, yeah. Uh, the boys can't save Roy from the Wendigo, but some luck and a flare gun, Sam and Dean find Tommy and kill the monster. Yeah, and along the way they realize that John doesn't want or need to be found but would rather them keep up the family business of saving people and hunting things. That's just good parenting right there. Sure is. All right, let's get into it. Okay, so we're now we're back. We're talking about episode number two. Yep. 
with Jensen Ackles and Jerry we actually Padalecki. call it for whatever it's worth. Yeah, we call it episode number one. Episode number one, mm-hmm. right? Because the pilot, you refer is the to pilot. pilot as kind of yeah, gotcha. Yeah. And now, Ooh. how? First of all, when we were pre-talking about this, I told you it was the episode with the Wendingo. Yes, it's not an Australian <laughs> uh, villain. A Wendingo ate my baby. Yeah, the Wendingo ate <laughs> Chuck's baby. <laughs> Which is why we had to kill it first. It's it's really just a a Wendigo with an accent. Um, (laughs) Is a a Wendigo. Do you remember being in Australia when we became South Australian? You're like, I want to do it. I want to do it. <laughs> Maybe just for intrigue, we can call it like the Vendingo, and it's half German, half Australian. Okay, so how much time had passed between the pilot and this episode? Four months. Mm-hmm. So we the remember wow. the reason I remember like a hiatus. Uh, like a hiatus. So we shot the pilot, I want to say roughly February. 15th, let's say, Into March. to March, like, 4th or 5th. Mm-hmm. And so we... You find out in May that you got picked up. Mm-hmm. We celebrated Jensen's birthday during the pilot on okay. March 1st. Oh, cool. And I remember during Von Dingo, uh-huh. we celebrated my birthday. So we find out at the upfronts, maybe, like, April, that we're going to get picked up. And that we need to be in May in New York to be a part of the upfront presentation. I was like, that's awesome. And I remember after that, we went to Nobu uh, with some of the execs from the studio network amazing sushi and we probably had some sake or some Kieran or something and then they're like all right well here's to a year in Vancouver and I was like what's Vancouver huh no I way like, no I knew okay. I knew that it was a city but right. that was when I found out that, that we weren't filming in LA that we weren't filming oh, in Los Angeles sh- yeah wow uh, but then we ended up filming in LA and I celebrated my birthday in July 19th during Wendigo also known as Wendigo but it was a brand new cast you know he and i had known each other but everybody else was brand ass new other than nutter who directed that as well well we also had a whole summer to get to know each other and they put us into fight training fight training training. so we were like hitting a boxing gym every day for like months for like six weeks we were like full-on and also just hanging out like yeah getting uh, to know each other and afterwards like all right you know we get done like kickboxing and they'd be like all right well tonight watching the spurs like my house your house like let's order you were were fast friends yeah yeah and then they put us in the ring and said let's just do a little sparring (laughs) seriously Uh and and he hit me so hard in the nose God. That it was I got pretty good. It contact. was one of those. We had, we had headgear on. We had headgear on, but still, if you get punched straight on, that headgear smashes yeah. your nose. And so it was like one of those things where you start saying yes really fast, but nobody's asked a question where you're like, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. We, we both. <laughs> I, he, he, <laughs> and he caught me after that just to go like, hey, bitch. And so like, yeah, so then you know, I, I could take care of myself too. Like, yeah, I know you're tough. So but then I, I was I'm like, I was like, well, I, I I can't be like. I think you left. Out. I think I you like, left hooked me. It was a right hook. Was it a right hook? Yeah. Because yeah. you, cause you I knew came, it came in. From the side. You, you came in with that straight again, and I was like, not, not again. Not today. And so I, I slipped right and just went wham on the side of his head. Oh my God. And then, yeah, he said he was like, my ears just went into a bell. Yeah. And then and then that's when our uh, our trainer was like, all right, all right that's all right, enough, right. guys. Yeah, 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 y'all get it. Y'all yeah, let's yeah, get yeah, out. Get yeah. And we never sparred I'm gonna go, again. I'm going to leap in here and say, <laughs> oh, yeah. that was a dumb idea at its inception. It's yeah. like, hey, you guys are supposed to play partners for the rest of uh, your adult lives. Let's beat the shit out of each other to get yeah, that going. Yeah. And kind we're of also, warm up that muscle. Even then, we're also like six foot plus, 200 plus pound Texan dudes. Yeah. You know, it's like, all like, right, you want me to punch somebody? Who? Yeah, you know, Jared but, especially is like a big puppy who doesn't a, know how strong yeah. <laughs> My arm just extends, and I'm like, oh, shit, that hit somebody. So the thing I noticed, Jensen, in this second episode is that your your voice is sounds more like Dean. Mm. In the first episode, it sounds more like Jensen, but Dean had a, a lower register 
gruff for voice. And you seem to really find that in, in this episode. So that really came after meeting Jeff and then also seeing parts of the pilot and yeah. seeing what he was doing as dad. And I was like, okay, if this is a firstborn son who idolizes his father, like he, he wants to be like him. Yeah. And so he's going to imitate him. And right. so that's where I was like, well, he has such a, a rich voice that maybe that's something that Dean inherited from his father. Hmm. And also he kind of leans into it a little bit to mm -hmm. kind of be like, be like dad. Yep. That so, so that, that wouldn't have happened in the pilot because I hadn't met Jeff and I hadn't seen what he was going to do with the role yet. Mm -hmm. So after, when we got up to Vancouver and we started rolling on the Wendigo, then that's when I was like, oh, that's something that I could, maybe a little flavor I could add to the character. Right. Also, after 327 episodes of doing it, I would love to see MRIs of Jensen's vocal cords before <laughs> Supernatural and yeah. after. Yeah. Because now, even if you tried to go like, hi there, guys. Yeah, no, I, do I've, I've shredded so my many vocal shreds cords over and, 15 yeah. Same years. Same with Misha yeah. Collins. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. For um, me, my voice is different as well, but that's because yeah. I hadn't gone through puberty yet. Right. <laughs> totally, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you both, I mean, every, you both were a little more grounded, you know what I mean? And it, it's very quickly, you know who these guys are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what the show is. You're already, it's not like this, I know it was Monster of the Week the first season or two, but still, like, right away, you get your relationship, and that's the show. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. I think going back to kind of what we talked about in Well, the that episode, episode, we had that conversation yeah. with Kripke on the park bench. That's it's, right. We were shooting in Stanley Park. We were sta yeah, Stanley Park, and, and they were setting up a big shot. Yeah, I forget, but Crip just walks over. He goes, hey, guys, let's have a quick chat. So we walked over, and we sat on this park bench that was facing out over the Burrard Inlet. It was a taster's choice moment. Right by the Lionsgate Bridge. And, in Vancouver. and he just kind of had a little heart-to-heart -heart with us and said, guys, this show if it's going to be a success, it boils down to you two and the relationship that you are going to have both off and on screen. It's really about these brothers and how they relate to each other. It's not about the monsters. It's not, he's like, I can write all yeah. that stuff and I can, I can put all the shiny things in this show that I can possibly come up with. But at the end of the day, it's the people are going to care about how these two characters relate to each other. Yeah. And so it really set a good tone, I think, for Jared and I, because then we, I think we got it then that it was like, okay, this is going to be the most important thing that we do not the hunting of a vampire not the the fight scenes yeah. not the this it's that. not about zombies it's, it's not yeah it's, and that's, was, I think was that also, comment he made was that apropos of something i mean or was that just like hey i want to sit you down and have this conversation or had something occurred that made him think hmm, i should tell these guys this yeah he came up to vancouver to watch the film because he had obviously been in la during the filming of the pilot and so during wendigo he came up to be there. I don't think he was up there every day. No, no, no. But I he think he was like leaving there. the next day and he just wanted to check. He had already known us now through, you know, a month of the pilot and we had obviously gone back and forth during the four-month hiatus. But he came up and I think this was, like Ackle said, like the taster's choice moment for him to go like, okay, I think he was leaving the next day or something. And so he was and like, he just want to have, have a, a, a powwow. Yeah, I want to have like a little heart-to-heart -to -heart touch base, you guys. With his two quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. say, A, right. i really grateful. I love this. Y'all are awesome with each other, with the crew, with your characters, with your fellow cast, and that's what's going to be necessary. And I think that's, and we kind of touched on this in episode one of the podcast, but I think that's also why we outlasted Lost and Heroes and Arrival and the other, show, the other show that Rob talked about. I can't recall it right now. The irony is that it's called Supernatural, but it was about relationships. Yeah. It began about uh, right. brothers. Well, and, and obviously, in, in this episode is when you say the family business. I think he wants us to pick up where he left off. You know, saving people, hunting things, the family business. That's right. it. 
Was that the first thing you said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He says, uh, I tell you, that, that really the, struck me. What is it? Hunting saving is, people, hunting things, the, the family, family business. business. This yeah. is what dad wants us to do, is, right. is pick up where he left off. Yeah. I think was the line, something yeah. like that. Yep. And that, so like Rob, I come into the supernatural world a couple of years later, and we go in and we've known you, know, you guys now for over a decade. Doing conventions, you see tattoos, you see yeah. banners, you see posters with that catchphrase on it. I didn't know where that line fell in the yeah, in the yeah. well it became the part of the sh- it was said more than once i imagine there might be a record somewhere on supernatural wiki or something about how many times it actually was said but mm. it was said dozens of times it was the you know? yeah it was the mantra you know it became it our cool theme song you know we didn't have a theme the song time, it, it became our theme song that right. we would refer to yeah. here and there there's some interesting uh, actors in this show the actor who played han solo in the han solo movie alden yeah aaron, alden, aaron Reich, yeah. yeah and then also the ones we were, we were talking about you said uh yeah, Donnelly Rhodes. Yeah. So I'm a big Paul Newman and Robert Redford fan. I'm a big fan of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and the opening scene where they're Robert Redford and Sundance Kid is playing poker. And when Paul Newman's character, Butch Cassidy, refers to Redford as, hey, Sundance, you know, and then it cuts to who they're playing poker with. The guy who was accusing the Sundance Kid, Robert Redford, of cheating. And then he kind of goes ashen faced when he hears this guy referred to as Sundance. And he kind of says... I didn't know you were a Sundance kid. Like, I, I didn't mean to say that stuff. And then Redford shoots his gun. But uh, anyways, so that... And did you know that, that at the time when he was into the show? I did. Uh, oh, awesome. yeah. I freaked out. That's cool. It was Donnelly Rhodes, the actor. And uh, rest in peace. He he left us a few years ago. But I asked him about that. I was like, man, I've watched that movie more <laughs> times than I can count. It was one of my dad's favorite movies. And yada, yada. And so he was just kind of He's the me, guy you guys interrogate or you talk to. He's the guy that was attacked by the Wendigo. He's yeah, the right. guy when we're sitting... And Ackles and I were looking at each other going like, He's great. It's like, oh, that's why he's great. You know, Corey Monteith, again, rest in peace. Gina? Um, Gina Holden? Right. Yeah, Gina. She came awesome back and played with us a few times. Did yeah. she? Yeah. The one who plays the, gr- the mm-hmm. main girl? Yeah, she's mm-hmm. cute. Yeah, and she's great. I thought she was really good, too. Gina was great. She yeah. was great. I worked with her a couple years later in Vancouver again in a Christmas movie I did with Peter O'Toole and Marshke Harden and Ed Asner. And, and Roy Campbell was our Wendigo who... Oh, really? Yeah. And I think they just wanted to find somebody taller than I was because, <laughs> and, and they were, you know, but he's awesome. And we what? saw him. Manu Bull wasn't available. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. With, uh, That's um, a very uh, reference. Big Bird had a ago. thing. So, uh. <laughs> yeah. But uh, um, I think the interesting thing, too, that Nutter does is I want to get back to Nutter. But in this episode, it's very much like Jaws. You don't see the Wendigo until later much later at the very very end really right and so right. what's terrifying about it is you don't know what this it's the thing build up. is yeah yeah the build up the marching through the woods and assuming that something is watching hey there this is richard spate jr and i hope you're enjoying the episode but we need to pull over for a few seconds for some messages thanks for listening now back to the episode now, let's talk about David Nutter for a second. So he directed the pilot. He also directed this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a producer at the beginning, mm-hmm. too. Um, what was it like working with him? And did he direct a bunch? No, he just, just, just the first, first two. two. Yeah. And I, th- I think for people who don't know David Nutter, it's important to note that for, a, what, two decades, he was... Pilot guy. The kingmaker. He, yeah. He was the... If he directed your pilot... I think Odds he was 12 for 12. As far we were as 11. 11 for, we, we were, were his 11th pilot, and we were also his 11th pilot to go to series. Wow. So when we're saying that, he directed pilots, meaning shows that you didn't know if they would get picked up and go to series. He, all the ones he directed would get picked he up. Had the gold, he had the golden touch. Yeah. yeah. And, it's, and, not, and to do a show and have it get picked up and go to series, the odds are against you. I, oh, somebody had told me, and this was, this is obviously 15 years ago when we got picked up because somebody, and I don't know why this number stuck with me, but they said it's from a script that has been sold to a network 
that it's like an 86% failure rate to go wow. to series. And it's probably right. an 86% failure rate of scripts that try to get sold to networks that don't get sold exactly. in the first yeah. place. Correct. So even right. getting that far. So yeah. from pitch to script to, to script actually Script to pilot, pilot, from pilot to pickup. Right. Yeah. And what was your memory? And then pick up to, to lasting. I mean, like, you know, you think about the right. shows that like, we'll pick up seven and then that's it. Well, we were, on the, we were on the bubble every year. Uh, yeah, we were on the bubble Every year, long, especially long after, after year one because we were the last year that the WB network existed. Right. right. Yeah, next, we, had, we, swapped, year, we swapped during season one. Yeah, yeah the next year. The season one was CW. Season two was on the CW and that was in came a whole new regime. So we had a president of our network that wasn't... It wasn't his show. Creative. So yeah, right, yeah, it was, yeah, Don Don Ostroff came in and was, uh, she inherited us. Yeah, so, she had been the, she had been running UPN. Right, she got the gig and so yeah. it was... And it uh, wasn't her show. Yeah. Because we were on WB and she was running UPN. Right. And so she didn't have that same commitment. Right. It was General Ari's show. Yeah. Who was the WB president at the yeah. time and, and, and he didn't... Uh, Don got the gig and, and David didn't. But um, and then the next year they did a show called Reaper about a ghost hunter named Sam. But it Just was a slight you, comedy version. Just to it. let you know what she probably thought of uh, oh Supernatural. Oh my god! Literally, a ghost hunter named Sam. <laughs> oh my god! Filming in Vancouver. Uh, yeah. So I wow. think I think she was hoping for her own shows. Wow. So and what's your memory of working with Nutter? I've worked with two very well-known directors. Nutter being one of them. The other one being James Cameron. And both of them have a, a similarity in that they never sit down and they're always very close to set and they have an endless supply of energy, yeah. but you never see them eat or drink anything. And I don't understand it. I just wow. don't like, I, I constantly would watch him like, is he, what is he on? Like, what is this kind of found tank of adrenaline that these guys live on? Uh, right. David was very much like that, but he was always up, always on his feet, always right there in the scene, right off camera, has his own little personal monitor stand. But he was also very, I mean, for lack of better terms, gentle with yeah, the actors. Yeah, I was going to say something to that effect. Like, I've worked with directors who have done three or four episodes. He's not Kim career. Manners. <laughs> no, no, no. He's gentle, but also, from what I recall, and again, I mean, here we said it's 2021, and we're talking about 2005. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I seem to recall, and maybe it's also the nature of he did the pilot and the first episode after that, but it seemed like what I imagine he must realize when shooting a pilot is cast it correctly, cast it by people whose instincts goes towards what their character will be, and then don't over-direct them. Because we're all figuring shit out. Like we, I, I don't feel like I really knew Sam Winchester until at least towards the end of season one. So, and a lot of actors, especially Jensen and I had both had a body of work, but we were still learning. Like, we were still like, I don't want episode one or the pilot of Supernatural to be the best Sam Winchester ever is. Like, he's going to have to evolve much like humans evolve. And so he seemed to get that. I think his, most of his directing was actually done in casting. Yeah. And then he was sitting up, he's a uh, wonderful visualist. I don't, right. I don't know the word sure, for it. Sure. You know, like his vision of what's yeah. going on is fantastic. Yeah. And so right. he gets that and he goes, okay, I'm going to trust these actors to do what we hired them Got to do. It. And if there's something that's amiss, then I'll correct, but I'm not going to go in and micromanage and go like, Hey, we do it a little bit more angry mm -hmm. because maybe Sam isn't as angry as we think. And maybe Sam ends up being the more sympathetic. He set the scenes and set the stage for us to do 
what we do as best as we can. Because if you give an actor too many notes, they freeze. There's a point of diminishing returns. And so it felt like it was supportive. He's gentle as a person and he just wants you to do your best work. And mm -hmm. he does his best work when you do your best work. Mm -hmm. So if you walk in and tell me to be comedic as Sam Winchester, I'm gonna suck. Because right. Sam Winchester is not a funny guy and I'm gonna be sitting there going like, I gotta make this funny, I gotta make this funny. Like, right. you know, there are moments that Sam has made jokes and this and that, but he was a pretty serious mm -hmm. character. Vice versa, if you tell Jensen to go like, hey, can you make Dean a little bit more scared of everything? You know, cause we want, it's a scary show. And if, mm -hmm. if Dean isn't scared, then the audience won't be scared. It's be like, well, that's not Dean. Like mm -hmm. Dean goes in and goes like, all right, if this is my last day, this <laughs> yeah. is my last day, but right. you don't scare me, you know? Right. So that when Dean is scared, in season 12 or whatever, mm -hmm. that it means even more. Right. And so David Nutter is very long game. Mm -hmm. You know, he's, yeah. he's playing the, he's playing chess. He's not playing checkers. Right, right. Which works when you're directing the first couple episodes to set up That's a That's the only way it works, I think. Yeah. Because yeah. if you go in and you try and force people to act against their instinct, then why did you hire him in the first place? Right. Because right. then they're going to try and marry that and match that for however long the show goes, which probably won't be long because right. they're having to focus on doing something that's unnatural. Yeah. I have a question for you guys. Because yeah. you guys, you show up to season, uh, sorry, episode one, and you guys are friends. And I would imagine at that point, you also start building bonds with your crew, many of whom were with you the whole ride, aside from the pilot. Like Serge, he was there episode one, right? You're with Serge for 15 years. Mm -hmm. You're with countless of that. And how is that experience kind of going from the two guys who did the pilot and now the sort of forging of what became the Supernatural crew family? For me, honest to God, the majority of the first, let's say, July to December of 2005, which would have been episodes one to The Benders, because The Benders bookended our hiatus, so I don't know, maybe episode 12 that was, I was focused on Jensen, you know, and Sam was focused on Dean, and I didn't really know yet. You know, I had been a guest star, I'd kind of been a journeyman to some degree, I'd done a few movies and a few pilots, been number 13 on the call sheet of Gilmore Girls for 60-something episodes, but... You know, there'd be new directors and new, people would be like, hey, you worked with blah, blah, blah on Gilmore Girls. I'm like, I don't remember. I was just a dumb kid. Like, I was so nervous about knowing right. my lines, hitting my marks, showing up on time, hanging in my wardrobe, that once Jared hit his stride as Sam, that's when I realized that I could also spend time getting to know the crew. At first, I was just focused on like, I don't want to jack this up, you know? Yeah, the retention on Supernatural was outstanding. Outstanding. Really um, impressive. And so for me... Once I realized who Sam was, and it was like, oh, okay, I can do this. Because a lot of my first several episodes were like, okay, who is Sam? I'm learning new, new shit about him every episode. I have to download that and save to the hard drive, not just keep a tab open, so to speak. Then I think when I looked out at the crew, I realized that they had just seen Jensen and me working together in concert in a friendly but creative and effective way. By then, they had a sense of us. They're like, oh you know, nice to get to know you better. I've seen you work 18 hour days for the last five months. I know you're a good dude. I know Ackles is a good dude. I know that y'all are here project first, you know, not like Jared first or Jensen first. And so I feel like there was that mutual trust. It was like, okay, cool. Cause especially back in the mid two thousands, a lot of 20 something year old actors and actresses weren't known as being very group mentality family first, best idea wins kind of thing. And I think Jensen and I were from the get. And I mm -hmm. think they saw that and they were like, oh, thank God. Like these guys seem pretty normal. And so at this point, you had a lot of people who worked on the show that were worked on it on the very last day. Of... I want to hear, I want to hear Ackles yeah. real quick talk about what you thought about getting to know the crew. Yeah, it was most 
shows, movies, projects like this, you've got a cast that a lot of times the, the cast will get to know each other. They'll go out to cast dinners. They'll, you know, they'll do yeah. that. It was just Jared and I. So I felt like we got to know our crew very quickly because that was the extension of who we were surrounding ourselves with in Vancouver. We were away from home. We were away from our family, away from our friends. And so Jared and I, you know, very quickly formed a brotherly bond, both on and off screen. And then very quickly, I think, became bonded to our camera operators and assistants and our, our directors and the writers that, you know, so we very quickly grew this bond that was really unbreakable for, for the better part of two decades. Mm-hmm. We also had a very young crew. Yeah. You know, we were, we were young going right. into this. I mean, we were in our mid-20s when we started this thing. And there were a lot of crew that were that were also young 20s, yeah. that yeah. were I mean you also think, without, you think about without spouses and kids yeah yeah without yeah. didn't wow. have yeah. and so I mean you know you think about like Titchy and and, and Dean, Dean Weber yeah, and, yeah. and Robin yeah. and and like Gabe. yeah like all there was a lot of crew that were close in age to us and so we just immediately had this cool bond with right. both the cast and the crew that never really broke yeah and it was funny in the later years of Supernatural. I guess it would have been season 11 or 12, we started having what we would refer to as the three-decade crew members, Mm -hmm. which meant that they started the show when they were 29, and so they were now 40, and so they would have done the show in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. And their 40s. Yeah, And then we had people who started the show, they were 38, and they turned 50, and so it would be like they were 30s, 40s, and 50s. But the cool thing that that afforded us to all being kind of like having a young crew and and a young cast. I'm a three-decader, yeah. yeah. Um, I am. Having a... uh, a young cast and crew was, it was very obvious when a parent was in town. (laughs) (laughs) So like, you know, when Bob, when good old Robert Robert Singer Singer. would show up on set, it was very clear that dad was home. Yeah. And and, and a dad that we all loved and couldn't get enough of, but he was very clearly (laughs) the stern uncle. The patriarch of yeah. even <laughs> um, still, so he's we, like, "Is this what y'all do when I'm not around? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to talk to y'all." So, episode one and two, like he's he's there. He's, he was there. His first episode he directed was Phantom Traveler, which mm-hmm. I think was filmed as episode four, four five. or five. Yeah. Uh, Dead in the Water was four, so it was five. Okay. So we filmed the pilot, then Wendigo, then, then Hook we filmed Hookman, which that got moved later seven. because wow. it needed some additional work. I forget wow. what three was. Dead in the Water. No pilot. Wendigo, Hookman, Hook Dead in the Water, Phantom, Phantom Traveler. Okay, so episode four or five. So we, that's when we met Bob, Bob yeah. because okay. he was in L.A. essentially babysitting Eric because Eric was, what, 33? I don't think, I think it was 30. 30, 30 31 wow. when, when the show got picked up. Was awfully young for a he a, looked a, a lot showrunner, but he yeah. um... <laughs> <laughs> so Bob. But at so this Bob point, was Bob... kind of hired to to be like the old veteran, the father lion, who yeah, came yeah, in like... and was like, "I'm going to make sure right. that that yeah. Eric he, keeps he it Mufasa, keeps it in, in between, sure. you know, keeps it in the lines." Because um, Bob's a, been he's and, been around the block. Well, so there are a couple of trivia things about this episode I, I didn't know, but so Jess, whose birthday we see on her tombstone in this episode, and Dean have the same birthday. I didn't know that. January 24th, which is also the birthday of Eric Kripke's wife, mm-hmm. whose name is Deanna. Deanna. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, I didn't know the Deanna part. That's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. And uh, this is the first of many episodes that would include cast members from Battlestar Galactica, which also filmed in Vancouver. Those cast members were Donnelly Rhodes and Callum Keith Rennie. Yeah. I remember, yeah, Callum. Callum. Yeah. And Roy. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rhodes passed away at the age of 80 in 2018. And then you said Corey Monteith. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the fourth screen credit for Corey. And we already said Alden. So 
Well, it's been awesome. It's so fun to hear these stories from you guys. Real quick, too, we want to give you a chance to sort of talk about what you're doing right now. Obviously, you're on Walker. Yeah. Currently filming episode nine okay. of this season, which will be 20 episodes. Okay. Wow. 18 last Awesome. Year. And yeah. then just uh, got announced that you're in the works to do, do a, a prequel. Prequel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So hoping to bring some more work down to, to Texas. But I've been learning on the job about the producing side and how long things take to kind of... We've been developing this since basically January wow. before we even aired Walker, the OG Walker, our OG Walker, because I guess OG Walker would be Chuck. Yeah. Second generation OG Walker. But yeah, so we're working on that and hoping to film in the new year. That's awesome. Yeah. And then Jensen, you're going to be on the new season of The Boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Eric somehow wrangled me into doing another project with him. Uh, exciting. No, that was it was a, a, a super that super doesn't great. have standards and practices that WB and CW have. Right. Where, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Everything everything he thought would be funny to do to me while I was on Supernatural <laughs> that he couldn't because of standards and practices, he got out of his system on season three of The Boys. Oh, so God. I, uh, I I'm I've, so scared. I've told my family to not watch it but everybody else should watch it yeah yeah everybody else should watch Absolutely. it uh but just not my mother and uh and then you your your company is working on a prequel for supernatural we've got a period uh, early 70s the story of how mom met dad basically awesome. and and kind of the it's fun it's been a deep dive back into the show because we have a lot of waypoints that were established by what we lovingly call the mothership and we want to make sure we hit those waypoints, but the in-between is what we're really having a lot of fun with, is, mm. is filling in the blanks, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's exciting. The network has script in hand, and we should, wow. uh, we should know a lot more um, come January. Wow. Yeah. Mothership's good. Mothership sounds better than OG. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like OG. Jensen, Jared, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks, guys. Bobby. Always fun, to, always fun to talk a little R&R. Hey, I hope you're enjoying the episode, but we need to pull over for a second for some messages. And also, I have to tinkle. Thank you for supporting Supernatural then and now. And now, back to the show. So great. I tell you, that was obviously fun, but also Mm -hmm. educational. I Like, for example, now you get a better window into why David Nutter was so successful directing pilot after pilot after pilot. Yeah, and the the thing he talked, uh, Jared talked about, about his energy and having so much energy. I've never met David Nutter. You got to work with David Nutter. I've never met him. So. I, I have met David Nutter. I've worked with David Nutter. He didn't direct Threshold, so I wouldn't know him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> true. Um, anyway, but Nutter is, uh, you know, is a, is a legend, and you, you really get to hear why when he's helped shaping, you know, he shot the pilot, directed the pilot, now he's directing the first episode, and he set the tone for the rest of the series. You know, actually, we were speaking to Bob Singer, and he had this great story about Wendigo. <laughs> Let me just back up for a second about Wendigo. Eric had <laughs> written the episode subsequent to the pilot, and... He had written a really good ghost story very late in the game. Uh, the guy by the name of the David John Lowry, who was the head of uh, the WB, which is where we were on before it became the CW. Yeah. Well, the pilot's a ghost story. Do we have to do another ghost story? And we said, well, gee, there, there are some shows that only do ghost stories. When you know, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. He was adamant that we couldn't do another ghost story right after the pilot. And so we, you know, Eric came up with this Wendigo in a white heat. And <laughs> it was, you know, it was so, you go, oh, my God, well, this is not a good way to get, get this ball rolling, you know. <laughs> And, you know, Nutter went up and directed it. And, you know, with Nutter, who's, who's brilliant, but you're, you know, you're not going to get your normal eight-day um, <laughs> shoot and get the hell out episode. Right. 
you know, the studio was a little nervous. It was not a, it was not a fun time. So how many days did that episode take to shoot? I think we ended up with nine, maybe 10 days, you know, with, with, a, with a second unit day, but it was expensive. And, yeah. Right. And, 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 and frankly, you know, not Eric's best script. So, <laughs> so where yeah. did the ghost story get, get uh, punted? Where did that end up being? I can't even remember that, uh, Rich, but we probably did some version of it down, Later. down the line. Yeah. But I can remember um, when the studio first saw Wendigo and they saw how much it cost. And, and Peter Roth, who was you know president of Warner Brothers, who was incredibly supportive of us. But he was, he went, oh boy, he was, he was not happy. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Was the Wendigo costume, were you happy the way that came out? Do you remember I'm that sorry? the Win- Wendigo when you actually see the Wendigo at the epi- uh, end of the episode? No, 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 no. To me, that was like Jaws. You know, it was great <laughs> until the shark flopped onto the boat. And they- <laughs> Sweet. Okay, we're gonna hear more from Bob. Great stuff in our next episode. Let's check in on the bitch count. Ooh, da ba la ba ba. That's right. That's right. This is a section where we uh, we uh, we're racking how many times they say the word bitch or son of a bitch. I don't know. Maybe we need to re- rename this bit. But uh, anyway, the episode, uh, we get our first sons of bitches, one from Sam and one from Dean. Yep, one each. As well as an extra bitch from Dean, taking us to a series-long count of five at this point. I hope somebody other than us is keeping a tally here because this number going to get big. It's going to get big. And in our antiques road trip, checking in on things that date the show, well, I mean, we've got maps, satellite phones. <laughs> okay, they're, they're saying there's two schools of thought here because I get made fun of a lot for using a map. I think maps are current. Mm-hmm. I think you need to know how to use a map. When the EMP takes all our phones out, half the youngsters are going to be lost. Not this guy. My folded map's going to get me right to my destination. So if you don't know how to use a map, joke's on you. Ah, Dad. <laughs> Shut up, son. <laughs> So let's check in on the mythology of this episode. Mm-hmm. Our trusty writing staff has handed me these uh, these factoids. Ooh, you can smell the mimeograph. Mm. These are fresh. So the Wendigo mythology that Sam relays is generally accurate. The monster is found in the folklore of many First Nations and indigenous tribes. Um, Not just the Cree? That's right. Versions of the legends are found among uh, many others. Like? The Algonquin? Nope. The Nascapi? No, Algonquian. Algonquian, the Nascapi, the Inu, and others. That's right. I think we did okay. Yeah. Sometimes called Wendigo, Wetigo, and Wetigo. The legend is pretty much the same as we get into this episode, you're, which is. You're just making up words. I know. Which is a person who ate human flesh, became a monster. So if you eat human flesh, you become a monster. That's a sobering warning to the kids at home. Yeah. And also, not someone you want to bring as your plus one. Nope. You know what I mean? The look of the Wendigo, tall, emaciated, and very scary, is part of the lore as well. Mm. It's worth noting that this is one of many folk tales and urban legends that were immortalized in the Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark anthology. And we'll see several more of these popular campfire tales in the first half of the season. Now, Dean protects the camp with symbols he says comes from Anansi. Anasazi? I don't know. My Aunt Nancy. No, it's not your Aunt Nancy. I don't know. Please leave her out of this. No, uh, Anasazi, who were a group of ancient Native Americans in the Four Corners region of the U.S. and part of the ancient Pueblo culture. I guess, what, Dean figures these symbols from one indigenous American culture will protect them from monsters from any different indigenous culture? I mean, if that's what you want to go with, sure. Oh, whatever, Dean. 
Anyway, these are never used again. Such a great episode with so many guest stars that pop up on other shows and became, you know, popular for other things. It's a who's who. I mean, mm-hmm. literally, it's like the American graffiti of Supernatural episodes. Mm-hmm. It got me excited. I mean, between the first episode and this episode, I'm like, this show's not kidding around. Man, it, it kind of makes you wish you'd been on the show. It might have launched you into stardom. <laughs> I know, right? If only. We've got Jared Padalecki starring as Sam Winchester, Jensen Ackles as Dean Winchester. Alum Keith Rennie as Roy, Gina Holden as Haley, Alden Einreich as Ben. Donnelly Rhodes as Mr. Shaw, Graham Wardle as Tommy. The episode also featured Timothy Weber, Corey Monteith, Ren Roberts, and Roy Campsall. The teleplay for Wendigo was written by show creator Eric Kripke, with a story by Ron Milbauer and Terry Hughes-Burton. It was directed by David Nutter and edited by Paul Karasik. With music by Jay Gruska and Christopher Leonards. And featured songs by Foreigner, Leonard Skinner, and Rush. Or, if you're watching on Netflix, Steve Fister and Eliza. That's the one I saw. <laughs> Me too. It was executive produced by Eric Kripke and Robert Singer. Wendigo first aired on September 20th, the day before my birthday, 2005, when I was 14. 40. Well, this was a good one, Rich. It was super fun. Um, I, you know, Doing the conventions all this time and hearing lore from the show, you hear a lot about Wendigo. It's one of the most popular sort of monsters from the first season. I know. And I would say that not just the monster, but there are quotes in this episode that you're like, oh, my gosh, I've been seeing that on Tattoos and totally, T-shirts totally. for a decade. I had no idea which episode it was from. Totally. It's from this one. Yeah, saving people, hunting things. That's right. The family business. That's right. I mean, Jensen has a freaking brewery mm-hmm. named the family business. So here we are. Um, the character that I play, Chuck Shirley, writes the books that you will find out in season four. But one of the books that I write, they they had a poster in every set that was my home. Right. Was Wendigo. And it was a picture of the Wendigo monster sort of going through some bushes. Oh wow, that's yeah. cool. Well, it was fun to do it, but the OG fellas... Sure was. Glad we had it recorded. Me too. Now, if you want to know, I'll tell you. This episode of Supernatural Then and Now was hosted and executive produced by Richard Spate Jr. and Rob Benedict. Produced by Stephen Hine. Written by Jessica Mason, author of The Binge Watcher's Guide to Supernatural, an unofficial companion. And edited and associate produced by Trey Boudet. Music provided by Tim Wynn. The episode was recorded with the help of Sonic Fuel Studios. This podcast is from Story Mill Media. For the latest news on this and other podcasts, follow Story Mill Media on Instagram and or Twitter. Exciting. Richie. Bobby. <laughs> I'm also I'm also rewatching Threshold. Yeah, it's a it's a quick rewatch, thirteen episodes. But uh, I think it's worth it. I think you'll find six degrees of the dink. Six degrees of the dink. Story Mill Media.